0: You could easily define me as a one-hit wonder, but it, that's that. It that term is has a negative connotation. But why on earth would it have a connotation? Because I would be told that I'm a one-hit wonder by people who have had no hits.
1: This is Christopher Triumph. Christopher Triumph again. I'm happy to perhaps give you a little bit of a new side of James Blunt today. But first, I have to talk about fall. And this is a true story. Before I got my Stutterheim raincoat, I hated this time of year. It's dark, it's depressing, and it's cold. But then I got this fabulous raincoat, and it actually made me wish for rain and 5 degrees Celsius, which is about 40 Fahrenheit. So I could go out and about and enjoy my coat and look great while doing it. So for all you autumn haters out there, I recommend that you check out www.stutterheim.com and find your favorite color and style. And shipping is free wherever you are. So thanks Stutterheim for enhancing a whole season for me and for the rest of the world. It's been a couple of weeks since I met up with James Blunt here in Stockholm. And he's married since. Congratulations, James! And I must say that he's a really fascinating guy. He uh, is witty as a whip. He's really funny and sharp. And uh, obviously an extremely talented singer-songwriter. I mean, in the last decade, he's written some of the biggest hits. James was born 40 years ago, even though he'll in just a while try to convince me that that's not the case. And I almost bought it. And then he grew up in England. He worked in the army for six years and then he left uh, in 2002 to work with music. And three years later, You're Beautiful was released. And well, James has been busy since then. Now, I don't know if you uh, keep up with Twitter, but he's uh, gained new popularity over the last year or so since he started tweeting these really witty, ironic uh, replies to haters all over the world. Google James Blunt Twitter and you'll find them all. It's a treasure. Now, when I met James, he was doing one of those uh, days when he met all Swedish long-term press at the same time sort of so I didn't get too much time with them but I really enjoyed uh, what I got so without further ado let's roll the tape I was wondering because I just turned 40 you recently turned 40 as well no I turned
0: 30 so I'm a decade younger than you but um but you're looking mighty fine
1: for it okay thank you did you have a crisis? I think you're eight days older than I am. Eight days and ten, ten years. years. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, it's a strange thing. I think we, we put so much emphasis on age in a, in, a, in a generation where, you know, people can live for so many years and, uh, and yet we, f- uh, and we focus on age so intensely. I, I don't think I'm too stressed
1: about the numbers that might be associated with my name. I didn't have a crisis, but I summed up my life. Until that point, and sort of tried to appreciate where I was at, if you know what I mean. Sure. Have you done that as well?
0: Yeah, I I, I think I probably have, but I don't think necessarily just by it from turning thirty. I think uh, through um, you know, th- I think throughout our lives, I suppose you you have moments, don't you, where you try and work out what you've achieved in that time. And I suppose what is really funny in the modern world is that often we are we're kind of told to. It value those things by maybe the amount of money we have or the number of possessions we have. Success in my industry is kind of measured in how much fortune you've made and what level of fame you're at. And we talk about that as kind of a measure of success. And I think maybe that's, it's pretty shallow and hollow way of assessing, you know, how, what kind of car you've got. It's not necessarily a great way of assessing what your life has been like. And, And maybe we should Value life instead by your happiness, the smile on your face and and the number of friends you you have. On Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Or in reality. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes. Are you saying that fame and fortune hasn't made you happy? I think it's just not a great way of measuring success. And,
0: And instead, I think when my dad even said when I was leaving the army, you know, James... You understand that it's quite a gamble to leave the security of the army. I mean, it's madness, the security of the army. This is a, a job that sends you to war. To join an industry of music, which, which is very hard to be commercially successful in. And I said, Dad, you know, that the commercial sex success is not what I'm after. I have this dream to do music, to make an album or two, if I may... And I need to do that before I die, because otherwise I will be unhappy. So, uh, you know, I want to do it for as many years as I can. and, And if it makes me happy, that's the measure of success that I'm after.
1: So you do actually appreciate your life then? Yeah,
0: I mean, I've been incredibly lucky. I thought I would be doing a tour of North London. Instead, I, I'm doing a tour of the world. These things are totally unexpected to me. But the number of units that I might have sold, you know, when a record label tells me it's how many 20 million albums, they could be making that number up. They really could. Yeah. They probably are. It's, uh, knowing them, it's probably much more and they're trying not to pay me for, <laughs> for for them. You know, the numbers are irrelevant. It's the reality which is much more important for me to be able to turn up to anywhere and, and, some, and a public, you know, turn up as an audience and come and sing songs with me is what I take
1: away from it, is what I enjoy about it. Yeah. Do you have any ideas how many gigs you've done?
0: No, I suppose I probably do, let's say, uh, on average, probably 200 a year, and I've been doing that probably then for 10
1: years, so probably 2,000. That's an awful lot.
0: It means I've had put in the practice, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the 10,000 hours that you have to put into something to achieve greatness at it... You've done that a long time ago, then. No, that's two thousand gigs, and you play for two hours in general. Yeah. Okay, so you ha- still have six thousand hours I'm left. Still pretty shy. Yeah.
0: I I've mean, been, I've been doing some rehearsal in between that. I'll see if I can
1: eke my hours <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. You told me that the record company—I mean, it's just a number for you—the huge success that you've had. Would you say that you are in the best place in your life right now?
0: Yeah, but I think if you'd asked me that, you know, six months ago, I would have said yes as well. And if you'd asked me three years ago, yes as well, because I don't think, I, um, cause I don't think anything's gone particularly badly wrong for me, and I think I've been very lucky. You know, m- music, is, um, music is my hobby and my passion, and, uh, and I've chased that and that dream. And along the way, for me, I've been very lucky to get where I am. You know, you, ne- you need to have songs and you need to have a, a team around you, a great management who will help you through the music industry. You need to create a bit of luck but that luck need, still needs to fall into place and, and I know many fantastic musicians along the way who haven't had the, you know, the same opportunities that perhaps I, I've had and so yeah, so I've,
1: I've definitely had a little bit of luck that's kept me where I am and, and I appreciate that. If you would end up in a, on a deserted island where there are plenty of guitars and stuff There's no audience, and you know for sure that you will never get out of there. Would you still write and play music, do you think? Definitely, and probably more so there than anywhere else. When Twitter is not... Exactly,
0: when I don't have the distractions of a social media that my record label want me to... um, Pursue, yeah, then I would focus on something probably more meaningful rather than thinking about perception of an, through an audience through, yeah, as you say, through a social media. I'd focus on something that's much more important, the artistry of of music.
1: You seem to work an awful lot. Is writing music a constant process for you? No, I, um, I don't
0: write constantly. I'm pretty bad at doing that when I'm on the road, and I know other people who are very good at it. I, I work a lot with Ryan Tedder, the lead singer of One Republic, and, I, and I've written with him on the road. I've had to jump on his tour bus and travel with him. That's how we wrote Bonfire Heart um, from this album, Moon Landing. As I jumped on the One Republic tour bus, I was a groupie. I didn't have to sleep with any of the band. But we toured around Europe and we wrote Bonfire Heart on the road, and he's a guy who's very good at when the bus stops in the morning, and when the the crew are setting up his stage, he will get out his guitar and, and write songs. Whereas for me, I find I'm recovering from my hangover, <laughs> and and uh, and so yet yeah, instead for me, when the tour is over, I go home, I wash my clothes, and then I and I, and I head to a
1: studio and I, and I try and concentrate on writing there. Do you suffer from post-production blues when you've been on tour for such a long time? No, I don't
0: think I do. I, I, it's definitely a way of life. I'm um, sleep on a tour bus with, with 12 hairy, smelly men, and, and we travel the world like that. It is a, it is a little bubble, which we love, and, and we all get on incredibly well and, and having the most amazing time. But to get off the bus and go home and, and live a normal life is, is a great release. Uh, but has it always been like that? Yeah. For the last 10 years, I've worked in a, a cycle, and that's why generally you won't hear from me, perhaps in one country for three years, because I put an album out and promote it as I did last August. That's when I left home. And I'm in a new city every single day, then for the next six months, promoting that album. And then I get on my tour bus, and we travel the world for 18 months. And so I'll turn up in a city, you know, once uh, or twice on that 18-month world tour. And then from there, I'll go to a studio, perhaps in Los Angeles, for a year to write and record an album. And then that's uh, basically three years in total. Then I'll chuck out that new album and start the promotion again and get on the road. What
1: about your plans?
0: Well, um, well, I don't think I have any, really. Um, no. I, I think, um, you know, I, uh, f- from here I'm going to go and play some shows in the UK. <laughs> those are my next plans, and from there we'll hit uh, mainland continental Europe,
1: and the wheels on the bus just carry on. I think you misunderstood. My English is uh, a little mm-hmm. rusty. What about your plants? Oh, my plants? Plants. In the garden? Yeah.
0: Oh, well, yes. Who takes care of those? I ask someone to go and drop in on home, and they and they go and water plants for me. Okay. Yeah, but you do, and they do a much better job than (laughs) than I do.
1: (laughs) But you do have a, I mean, home for you is. I live in Ibiza. Ibiza, is that how it's pronounced even in English? Ibiza, I would think is how you say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is it about Ibiza and British people? Well, I like nightclubs. All right. So you're a, a fan of that scene? Yeah, definitely. I've always been a night
0: owl, really, and so yeah, I like the way the clubs there start at two in the morning and finish at you know seven or eight
1: in the morning. But you you seem like a healthy guy, right? I'm wearing lots of makeup. Ah, okay, for a radio interview. Yeah, but there's gonna be photos. Oh, yeah, great. Well, at least I put enough on. I mean, nightclubs for you, it's not about the ecstasy and the rave thing more. It's just about how I really
0: enjoy socialising and I, I just like the scene. Yeah a just got some of the biggest and most
1: incredible clubs on on the planet but do you have more than one home no b is my is my home okay cool how long have you been living there about eight years now okay fantastic i've never been i'm a teetotal that's the expression right yes it is but i can still enjoy, enjoy the island yeah very much
0: you know with the uh I don't know if you enjoy clubs. Um, as a teetotaler, um, I think personally, if you, you know, if you find the right DJ, then you can. Yeah. And the right music, then you definitely can. You probably don't need any because, because the places are so mad anyway that um, that, that, you know, that, that it's just the, the scene um, and the spectacle that is worth seeing. But you know, the Mediterranean
1: as a whole, it's an island in the sunshine with great beaches, great people and great food. So you were down with the Swedish House Mafia long before they became the huge success they later on was. Yeah, and I know all those boys. They're great fun. Yeah, fantastic. Are you team Axwell and Ingrosso, or are you team Steve Angelo? Steve is the the one I know. Okay. best of
0: the three. In fact, he's just bought my um, producer's house in Los Angeles. My producer, Tom Rothrock, who I recorded back to bedlam and went back to go and record my new album moon landing and then uh, after we recorded moon landing he said okay i've had enough
1: (laughs) sold his house in los angeles to steve angelo fantastic i realized uh, the other day that there's something called lead singer syndrome have you heard of that i haven't what is it okay it's a a swedish artist told me this that when you're on on tour and when you're the lead singer everybody I mean, you're going to get a whole lot of attention, whatever you do. And then when you go home to your family, perhaps, you expect the same kind of attention for, like, taking out the garbage or doing just regular stuff. Can you relate to this? Yes, I can. You know, I have a tour
0: manager who is, like, a sergeant major from the army, but at the same time, he's like a father and a mother all in one. He takes on so many roles to make sure that a band and a crew travel the world. A huge, great logistical process of five trucks and two tour buses. And at the same time, his job is to look after me. And uh, and uh, along the way, it means I forget how to check into an aeroplane. And yeah, definitely think that um, to get my washing down on the road means just handing over a bag of washing rather than uh, rather than putting it in a washing machine myself and putting in the powder and so yeah so when that tour finishes there's definitely um a little moment when you suddenly have to do things for yourself and struggle not to phone the tour manager to ask <laughs> how to do those things
1: but you you've you seem sort of sorrowless about that it's not it's not a, a real i mean you don't get depressed over stuff like that when tour ends I'm really digging in here to the yeah, darkness
0: I know, I think I enjoy it I think I enjoy the fact that you know, I'm a really practical person I don't you know, when I, t- when I turn up anywhere um, and I'm being met to do a concert or a show you know, as I, as I arrived in Poland yesterday and I arrived on my own there was a massive great meeting party for me and cameras and the works and they said like you know where is your entourage and where is your personal assistant and where is everyone and i was there on my own you know carrying my bag because that's what a normal human being does i go on a plane and i got off the plane and so i find it quite amusing on on a tour when then when my tour manager is around you know to, to, when you do start becoming a tiny bit reliant on on that person and forgetting how to look after yourself i, I find it quite amusing how as an adult you you um kind of fall into that kind of become a child, I suppose, and, and be carried in that way. But um, I think it's only healthy to go home and, and, and start sorting yourself out again.
1: Do you ever get to be anonymous?
0: Anonymity is a really special thing. And it's, I find it a crazy world how our children from television shows are taught, you know, that, the, that a, a job to aspire to now is fame. Because I, can, I could say one thing categorically, on record... Fame is a terrible thing, and fame is the last thing you should aspire to be. You should just, you know, I think, you know, we should teach our children to to aspire to be a doctor. Um, who saves lives a nurse who saves lives a teacher who educates um, an aid worker who rebuilds countries or if you're more shallow and you think you know that it's not um emotional success but in financial success then then go into the city and 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 earn millions of pounds but be anonymous while you do it because that anonymity is a very special thing to be able to walk down a street and not be pointed at or, or stopped is a really special thing, just to be able to walk the, the the world as you are, and and stop and stare at things without people stopping and staring at you is is a is a, is a very special thing, and so yeah, there are, so there are moments when uh, when I do, and um. In darkened rooms, but uh, <laughs> but but on the streets, it's perhaps a little harder. I tell you where anonymity, I find I get more anonymity, is on public transport. Okay, yeah. Particularly in places like London, no one looks at each other. In somewhere like London, and I haven't walked around in Stockholm enough to know, but in somewhere like London, people don't look at each other. And that's a great moment of anonymity there.
1: So you do actually run by the subway? Totally. Yeah, okay. And if anyone spots me, they think I'm just there for inspiration. Or that you
0: look like that James gu- Blunt. That guy who sings that song on the Underground. How funny. <laughs> I saw someone who looks just like him there. Yeah. Only smaller.
1: Yeah, you aren't uh, super tall. Exactly. How is that? Has that, How's that working for me? Yeah, exactly. It works very well. Yeah.
0: I was a reconnaissance officer in the army, and, uh, and reconnaissance means creeping around in bushes. So to be a couple of inches uh, shorter than um, the people who work with me was of benefit. It
1: means I can hide in a smaller space. I'm outside your house, and you don't know it. No, that's, that's good for you. But you don't do that so much these days
0: not in an official capacity no, no. <laughs> just just more in a, in a in a more kind of a
1: restable uh, way outside people's windows you told me that you don't actually write music on the road but th- your writing process how does it work writing a song i think there's no rules to
0: it and uh, and so often it's funny as a as a writer how people will think it's you know an incredible thing a kind of magical uh, uh, idea to to write a song but the truth is, you know, anyone can write a song. If you can hum a tune and, and, and twist it and change it to, to, you know, to create an emotion that is your own, a melody that is your own, and put some words to it that are your own words, then you, then you can be a songwriter in, in a moment. And so, you know, what, what is this? What, what do I do? Well, um, I suppose I think I live life and uh, And to live life is to then feel life and to feel life is to have you know an experience that makes you feel strongly enough, hopefully to then want to capture it in a song and to do that then yeah, I suppose it's just it's it's relatively simple you know that there are words that you want to describe in a moment, and those words you then would say or you would sing in a, in a particular way if you want to say to some girl that you know that how beautiful they are, you would say, you know oh my god you 're you're just you're beautiful and then the more you say it out loud and try and sing it it'll fall into its own little melody and eventually you'll be singing it in exactly the way I was for me singing you know
1: the tune of my most famous song yeah since I've been like listening a whole lot on your music in the last few days I mean that's something that strikes me that it always really feels natural that it's not i mean you don't like you you don't complicate it very much and i and i suppose what i'm trying to capture is
0: real genuine emotion so rather than contrive a melody and fit words to a contrived melody the most effective definitely is is to have words and say them out loud but to sing them in in a way that comes naturally and you know and because they will because of the way you speak, however you speak, whichever nationality or whichever kind of person you are, those words will then flow in a in a particular way, and that flow and that pattern will form its own melody, and that melody then will be connected to those words, and it will, and that's you know that's a song that comes from the heart. But
1: speaking of uh, you're beautiful, I mean, would you say that the part of the success is that you? I mean, it feels like you really, really mean it.
0: Yeah. I think its simplicity is, is that it's a, a real life story about passing my then ex-girlfriend on the, un, on the underground, the subway in London, with her new boyfriend. I didn't know he existed and so I had a moment and we lived that moment together when we saw each other and caught each other's eyes and, uh, and passed each other, but we didn't do anything and, and in that moment, you know, I went away and I wrote those words in two and a half minutes of just, yeah you know my life is brilliant my love is pure i saw an angel of that i'm sure and the moment i even speak it it sounds pretty close to how the song sounds when i'm singing it and and yeah and so it's just just a really genuine honest moment and i suppose what other people connect with it not only is it genuine but other people can relate to it too you're not even remotely tired of that song well, strangely, what I find interesting is that in interviews I'm asked, are you tired of singing that song? And so I would say I'm, I'm frustrated that I'm asked the, the question. Oh, OK, about, sorry about not that. Not at all. And, it's, and, it's, and, and, I, and this is my reason, which is because one assumes that you, God, you must be tired of that song. Well, of the 2,000 concerts that I did or however many we, we've talked about, it's not the only song I played. Of course. You know, I, I've been asked to play 20 songs every single night, of which that, that is one. That's a song that is the cornerstone of my career. Without it, I would just be on a tour of North London, yeah. not of the world as I'm doing. So I'm very grateful to have that song, and the reaction to it is always very special. And if I didn't play that song, the audience would probably ask for their money back. And um, and like a chef whose signature dish is, you know, a fantastic meatball, yeah. <laughs> then, um, then for me it's a pleasure to be able to make that meatball and give it to a... To a um,
1: as someone who enjoys eating it. I'm curious, do you... I mean, if you get that question a lot, would you say that... I mean, is it a, a European thing to, to ask that or is it like a worldwide... world phenomenon to ask? It's
0: a it? world phenomenon, absolutely. I think it's also the, it's the way that... We work in quite negative ways, often human beings. we We measure success again in quite strange ways and we deride it quite easily. So for me... You could easily define me as a one-hit wonder. Now, that's... That wouldn't be true, though. That's very kind of you to say so. But it, that's that it, That term is it has a negative connotation. But why on earth would it have a connotation? Because I would be told that I'm a one-hit wonder by people who have had no hits. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is 100% more success rate than that person who might be giving this negative term. You know, one will do. Yeah. One hit, as it has set me on, on the road for four world tours, it's, uh, you know... Most musicians are searching for that one hit, and yet with that one, what well, we can
1: define it in, in a negative way. I'm wondering if it says something about, I mean, Swedes. We are really, I, I'm not sure how to translate this, but we we sort of take pride in not being too proud over stuff. Whereas I would say that Americans would, I mean, if this is your one shot to get what you want, then you're going to do it, sort of.
0: Yeah, so, well, I think there's... I definitely know what you're talking about. The Americans champion success, and, and, and they celebrate success, and I think that's a pretty special thing. I think they do it well. In Britain, we do exactly the opposite, and we're negative about success, and, and we mock success, and we sort of you know, tell people to be embarrassed about it, which I think is silly. I hope here in Sweden what you do is perhaps you're modest about your own successes it would be a great position to be in. To be modest about your own successes is, 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 is a fine quality, but hopefully not mock or deride other people's success. I think we do that as well. Oh, okay, well then the Brits and
1: the uh, Swedes are similar. Yeah, I think we are. Speaking of then financial success, even though it's not the same thing as happiness, but I mean, you don't have to work. You would never have to work again. I have a very expensive girlfriend. <laughs> so I have to. Okay, but what do you spend money on? Because I mean, you're constantly on the road. I guess that you don't pay for the hotel yourself, or maybe you do in the long run. But yeah, I do no. I, you know, my the
0: the bills I pay. Um, uh, you know, I have a band and crew and uh, and five trucks, uh, two tour buses. It's all an expensive process. But of course, it's a great earner Absolutely, I go home and I spend it on
1: having fun with my friends. And go to nightclubs. Yeah. And you pick up the bill afterwards. You don't say bill in England, right? I don't think so. You say the check?
0: Oh, you mean, the, yes,
1: of course. Oh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, what I've. What is it. What is it. The shallower side of my business? What has it brought to me? Yeah. Um, it means I can get into the nightclubs for free now, which is great. I don't have to queue. That's all I ever wanted from fame. That's the only positive thing about fame for me, is not having a queue for nightclubs. But yeah, I think it's, it's put me in a position where I can have um, it's, it's some fun in life. But, but I, what I know is that, that that fun is only ever proper fun if
1: you're sharing it with people. But what about the attention? I mean, you say that cutting lines is the only positive thing about your success or fame. Yeah, I would say so. You don't like the attention then? No, I don't think so. I, mean, I say I'm But person... do you seem sort of, I, I mean, you don't seem offensed that I'm here. No, um, but I'm using you. Okay. I'm using you to um
0: to tell people about my um concerts that are coming up in Sweden in October. Yeah. I'm um, I'm using you to tell them that I've got an album out called Moon Landing, but in the process of doing that, I can uh, um you know I'm meeting a human being along the way, and as I said before, an interview then is about that conversation along the way and whether it's easy or hard. And this one I find easy because um because I think it's more a
1: conversation rather than anything loaded i take that as a compliment do you know russell brand yes i do you you guys remind me of each other really? for some strange reason right
0: i would take that as a compliment i'm not sure if
1: he would well it is a compliment i guess you're both really funny
0: yeah and i've met him a
1: few times he's definitely um he's definitely a card what does that mean He means he's funny yeah he was here not that long ago, with his Messiah Complex yeah. tour, did you see that one? I haven't. I kind of I can pick up a little bit about it from some of the press stuff that I've seen. I re- highly recommend. Right,
0: it. I'll do that. Are you a political person? Well, I think I would probably say no, because I'm a more someone who's come from the army, and, and I think what I learned from the army is that politics is confused with a pursuit of power. And you know, all politicians are thinking short term, really short term, about how to get themselves re-elected, by the nature of you know sustaining a career instead of what is for the for the greater good. And in, as a soldier, for instance, you know, I was sent in to um, into a war in Kosovo, where I think the um, the politicians were confused about why they were there. They were there in order to make themselves more global global statesmen, whereas we on the ground were much more practical about just trying to save people's lives. we weren't to do you know interested in, 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 our, in our own in ourselves we were interested in, in looking out for other people in you know someone else's country to make sure that they're safe and secure and stable so that we can come home alive with our soldiers and so yeah, and there were different political arguments along the way that, that were madness I was a very famous fight or argument between the russians and uh, and us the kind of american british allies over the airport and yet we were supposed to be on the same side and where there was a mexican standoff with guns where we're having some political argument that the, the politician said you know we must we must have control of that where the russians say no instead they wanted it and and yet we're supposed to be on the same side and and these kind of conflictions of political interests completely override practical common sense on the ground do you vote I haven't voted for a long time in the UK because I because I don't live there, and I'm not eligible to vote oh, you a, a, anywhere else at this uh, at this stage.
1: No, but you, st- I mean, you could do it by mail, right? I think not because I don't live in the country. Okay, all right. I don't live. I don't
0: spend enough time in any one country. To qualify as as a voter,
1: but you still are
0: a, a British citizen, I'm a British citizen, but not a but not a resident simply because my tours take me around the world. As I say for the last ten years, I've been on a on a tour bus, um, and and yeah. But do you keep up with I mean current affairs? Yeah, very much. I think whereas most of my band read books, I read the newspapers um, every day, and um, you know I've recently done a a concert with, uh, with the Clintons and seeing the work that they do and I'm bowled over by those people who, are, as a family, I think are really incredibly selfless, people who really are working for the benefit of not only their own country, but, but many other countries and many other peoples around the world. And in the process of doing that, I've met the likes of Tony Blair and I've met the likes of Nick Clegg and been uh, at least introduced to the people you know, like David Cameron of, of, those, uh, of that ilk, that political field, all three different parties... And it's easy when you read newspapers to take your side and feel that, that you know, those people are, um, aren't achieving anything, you know, don't, don't make any sense. But I am blown away by meeting the, the individuals because I think when you meet the individuals, I think you know, the politics and the, and the mechanics of politics is, is, is really troubled. I think democracy itself is really troubled, the process of democracy. But what I do meet, think from meeting the individuals is that they are just trying to do the best for other people they're spending their lives kind of getting abuse whilst trying to do the best for other people in a political process which is which is very very um we're very slow and sluggish
1: talking about politics and current affairs do you have main issues that you follow
0: yeah absolutely i think the most important issue of our generation of our lifetime is climate change without shadow of a doubt. And we can talk about the economy and growth and expansion of the the humankind as much as you like. But I see us as the biggest virus on the planet who destroys our planet. Without thought or consideration for anyone else, all we think about is, you know, homes for us and we must build and we must build and and our economies must grow and grow. And if you look around the planet, we are damaging it to a massive extent, to our own detriment in the long run.
1: But still you tour with like five trailers... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, you have to find a balance of,
0: uh, of uh, achieving certain things and at the same time trying to progress into how we can benefit that. For every uh, ticket we sell, we plant a tree online. Oh, you do? In North America. Fantastic. The process uh, that we go through on different levels, on, on business-wise, as well as on a personal level to try and, you know, take myself away from, uh, from, from the regular consumption is ongoing um, you know I live in, say in Spain I run myself um, from solar power um, from heat exchange systems I run myself from a well rather than from uh, uh, the water and uh, and yeah on that level I'm almost off the grid on that touring yeah I travel the world and, uh, and take music to people at the same time we talk about the environment and uh, and discuss within forums what we can do it needs someone to travel to do that in the first place but yeah as I say I look at ways that I can but like Every human being, you know, we've got a long way to go. Do you believe in God? I think, like everyone, I probably believe in God when the shit's going down. (laughs) But for the rest of the day, I don't entirely know.
1: That's called something, right? It's not an atheist, you're a... An opportunist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you don't believe in God, which is for most part of your life, then what do you believe in? I think all of us have an impact on each
0: other, and I think all of us have an impact on the future. And therefore, the notion of you know Christian beliefs, I think, are very important. Whether you believe or or don't believe, I think there's the actual Christian beliefs themselves that I have known about, and I only use those because they're the ones I was raised with and don't know any others, about looking out for other people because you have an impact, and, you know, and what you do on this planet now will have an impact tomorrow. And I know that from going to war, if you murder someone, if you murder someone's father, the son will be thrown into a cycle of bloodshed that will continue for generations because they won't forgive and they certainly won't forget. And so, yeah, so I believe in a greater consciousness, a greater care for humankind and, and beyond that, the planet. But are you a pacifist? No, I'm not a pacifist because I think I uh, understand the notion of uh, having to uh, force certain things. I believe in peace and I believe the, um, the end aim is peace. Sadly, I believe that humans are not necessarily kind. I've met many individuals who are, but I think as groups we become unkind. And, uh, you know, you see that in the most basic level of school. Schools, you get you know groups of people who become the bullies, and it's and individuals want to join those groups so that they're not isolated on their own. And That happens from the earliest age, and it continues. And that's why, and again, in the war that I've seen, you see groups of people abusing others that they can. And so, when I went to, to Kosovo, I, w- I was a peace enforcer. I would go up to people and say, "You need to stop murdering these people," and they would say, "No, you know, we're not going to. We're going to carry on doing this." They would give some empty reason. They were talking about religion as their reason. The frontier between Muslim and an Orthodox Christian as a good enough reason to murder.
1: It often is in you, their minds.
0: Absolutely, and uh, and when you are then dealing with people who won't be reasoned with, then there are times like that. Then then I think yeah, then I then I believe that force has to be used very very sadly. Do you have hope in that matter? No, I don't. No, i uh, I think I've met enough individuals who show enough aggression early on to think that, no, the human race is, is pretty fallible. How do you cope with boredom? Well, I'm pretty busy. So, yeah, I'm, so I'm not that bored that often. But on aeroplanes uh, or...? Aeroplanes, I love them, means I can catch up with everything I've, that I I've, uh, haven't
1: been able to keep up with on the road. Okay, so you, you are never bored. I wouldn't say I was never bored, but... Um, you have experienced it. But I've, Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I'm pretty good at keeping myself busy. I think we, we might have discussed this a little bit earlier, but uh, by mistake, but do you have goals? I think my biggest ambition in life was always to do music, to record albums,
0: and, uh, and you know, and perhaps do some live shows, and, and I'm doing that now. Although I could say my ambition has been achieved and perhaps more than I'd ever hoped. I don't feel it's like... Stopped. I still really enjoy music, and I really still love love touring, and I still really love writing music and and beyond. So um, so I hope to carry that on. I think you know, a wider ambition, one without definition, is to you know is to fill life as much as I possibly can, with as many things as I possibly can. I travel the world at the moment, but I don't always see it. And in between tours. This next door I intend to go and travel the world again, not doing music, but to go and actually visit a place like Stockholm and see it for real, rather than rather than um, you know, briefly out of a out of a window here. Mm.
1: Well, I hope you get to do that and that you get to be in peace and anonymous. Yeah, thank you. Can you tell me about your ring? It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um my ring
0: is I suppose it's a kind of archaic British tradition with some families. And it's given to you when you're 21 years old. You put it on your left hand, on your little finger. And on it, it's gold, and it has um, your family crest on it. Okay. And so my crest on this ring is a sun with um, eyes and in the middle, a glove, a metal glove, like a knight's metal glove, we call it a gauntlet, and underneath the sun, a scroll. And in the olden days, before envelopes that sealed, which you could lick them when you sent out a letter, you'd seal your envelope uh, with wax And you'd stamp the wax with your ring, and on it would have then your family crest, so that the receiver could see that it was generally from whoever it was. And so you can identify my family through different records and books from from the picture, the the emblem, the crest
1: Ah, on the ring. You didn't get that from like being a knight back in the days. Well, you didn't. I didn't, but yeah, Yeah. I suppose
0: you know that my yeah, it's kind of got that that idea. It's um an old school family ring, and and it's and it's the Blount family. Yeah. Or are you a feminist? I'm a believer in equality over anything. Equality of... Uh, of you know, I'm a believer in equality of, of, and respect for both men and women in the same way, the way that I'm... But also I cherish the differences in the same way that I'm a great believer and I'm a great believer in the you know, difference in nationalities. And I love championing each with respect but also championing the differences. You know, and women are very different from men and thank God for that. And it, it's a wonderful partnership in that way and I love the difference between from Sweden and uh, and Britain because without those differences life would be boring and i think it's worth championing our differences as long as you respect the others and champion theirs too so are you a feminist so yeah i think i'm i find the title different difficult to say i think yeah i champion women's rights uh, but to, to be treated as equals to be respected equally would you like to recommend something i'm a musician so i will uh, so i'll defer to my job as musician and I would say that we've talked a lot about fame, fortune. We talk about, you know, in the music business, success. Um, and success is measured in units sold and chart places. And so I, I would like to recommend people who haven't hit um, chart places, um, who haven't sold millions, who um, haven't made millions of pounds, who aren't famous necessarily in, in, in the global sphere, but who are much better musicians than me. And, and their songs are absolutely incredible. The first is a woman who I saw live at South by Southwest, a festival in Austin, Texas, where I got signed. Originally, my first record deal, my um, Custard records. But the person I saw just before I played was this incredible artist called Cat Power. Yeah. Who, um, who is, for me, a really great, free, liberated songwriter. And the next person I'd recommend is the reason I ended up recording in Los Angeles with a producer called Tom Rothrock is because the Tom Rothrock had produced an artist called Elliot Smith who's dead now but um, his songs are absolutely beautiful for me I heard them and they changed my life.
1: And who would you like me to interview on Varvet? I think you should probably go out
0: and set out to interview Vladimir Putin I think that would be an important
1: interview to ask what the hell is going on. Thank you very much for your time James Blunt. Great fun indeed nice to talk to you. That's Mr. James Blunt or as we call him here at the Varvet headquarters Mr. Salt of the Earth. Really nice guy, humble, funny, fantastic. And I th- really recommend you following him on Twitter. That's James Blunt in one word. And while on Twitter, why don't you follow Varvet Pod as well? That's Varvet Pod in one word, both on Twitter and Instagram really. Really convenient. Varvet International is sponsored by stutterheim.com. I'm your host. My name is Christopher Triumph. Our producer's name is Christina Joling Biro. Our editor's name is Lovisa Olson. And the theme song is produced by myself and Maria Marcus. Uh, Join us uh, next week for another interview. I can't remember who that is, but I'll let you know very soon on the Varvet International Facebook page. Talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. Hold up.